It's time to take off your clothes, enjoy clothes-free living, and join us for Naked, Nudist, and Naturist. Welcome to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, the show that celebrates clothes-free living for all. I'm your host, Frank Stone. And I'm your correspondent, Lisa Monroe, and I'll be reporting on all things within the Naturist community. So it's time to get naked and join us. And enjoy clothes-free living on Naked, Nudists, and Naturists. Well, greetings and welcome in to Naked, Nudists, and Naturists, episode 27 today. Come on in. The water is fine. It's the perfect temperature. We have hamburgers and steaks and hot dogs on the grill. We have a cooler and refrigerator packed with your favorite drinks. We also have some fruit and vegetables off to the left of the patio. So come on over and come on in as we celebrate the closed, free, living life for all of the right reasons. Well, this is our final show, believe it or not, of 2023, our special New Year's show. Tomorrow's New Year's Eve, obviously Monday, New Year's Day in 2024. So this is the last time we'll be together with you. In 2023, we started on July 1st. That was our first show, Saturday, July 1st. And here we are, the final Saturday of 2023. We haven't missed a Saturday. We had planned to be off last week and this week to kind of recharge our batteries and settle down just a little bit. But then we realized, you know, not everybody has family and friends who can just pop over on holidays. A lot of people where I live have family, but they're a thousand or two thousand miles away. So they cannot just pop over, and as a result, many people are alone on the holidays, believe it or not. Well, you're not alone anymore. You have us. You have me. You have Lisa Monroe. You have Jennifer Hill. We are here for you, celebrating clothes-free living for all of the right reasons. Well, on today's show, we will bring Lisa Monroe in in just a moment, in fact. Uh, We will have uh, a letter That was turned into a voicemail. The gentleman will read it for us, a gentleman named Gary. And then we will also come up with some T-shirt ideas for you. That's right. It's it's a naturism show where we're going to talk about T-shirts. Because every once in a while, you do have to put clothes on in our society. It's just the way it goes. So we have some fun T-shirts we found online. We will read those to you and discuss them. And we will also have part one of my interview with Christy Jessica. Christy has an unusual story, a bit of a wild story, but uh, lives the clothes-free life for all of the right reasons. She does a lot of nude modeling. She's written a book on nude modeling and how to pose properly for the camera. She has her own podcast out there. She puts videos out there. She's just into the whole nudism, naturism, nude, naked thing. 25-8, and we'll have a part one of my interview with her today. Get her backstory, how she got into this. And how she's enjoying every single day now, not living the life. So what are your New Year's plans? If you've been naked six days a week up until now, why don't you make it seven for 2024? How about that for a plan? Clothes for a living for all the right reasons. You cannot go wrong. It just feels so good. And we are glad that you're with us today on Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, episode 27. Well, you can tell by the music that is sneaking up on us. It is time for our weekly correspondent on naturism, the very terrific, the one and only, Lisa Monroe. 
there she is, uh, from her fresh from her clothes-free Christmas, hoping for a clothes-free New Year. Our uh, weekly correspondent on naturism, Lisa Monroe. Good morning, Lisa. How are you today? Good morning, Frank. I hope your holiday was good. And mine wasn't as clothes-free as I would have liked, but it was fun. <laughs> well, should I ask why not? Is it because you went to church and had to put clothes on? I'm just guessing. Yes. You know, those midnight services on Christmas Eve kind of <laughs> frown on, you know, coming, walking in naked. But, um, yeah. but you know, and then all the people and family and that kind of stuff. So it makes it a little difficult. Yeah, I had to, you know when I was a kid a very good I had a very good friend of mine, and his mother was the church secretary. She basically ran the whole show behind the scenes and was there forever. I ended up staying like forty years. That was her whole career. And she said uh, people would always call in December and say, "Hey, what time is uh, midnight mass?" <laughs> the phone's ringing off the hook to begin with, and you know at first she thought they were pranking her, and then she realized, "Oh no, they're serious." Like, folks, did you take two seconds to think about the question before you called? So I hope you, di- you didn't make that call, right? You just went to midnight service at 12 midnight? Um, I, I kind of make the the correlation between midnight and time for a service. So, yes, okay, I, did, I, I did not call the church to ask, I promise. Okay. Well, we're glad about that. I wanted to get into, we have a, another voicemail today uh, from a gentleman by the name of Gary. And uh, Gary, I believe, lives in Canada. He's been uh, to Bear Oaks before. And he really just started the whole social nudism thing in 2020. And, of course, then COVID hit, so that kind of shut things down for a while. Uh, But eventually he got going and is now fully into it. So if you don't mind, why don't we just start off right now and uh, we'll listen to Gary's voicemail. Sounds fun. All right, here we go. Gary from Canada, his voicemail. Hi, just discovered your podcast and thanks. I always liked being clothes-free, even as a kid, but only very recently entered the world of social nudism. As of 2020, if I was home, alone, and it wasn't too cold, I was nude. Funny, I didn't consider myself a nudist, just a guy who preferred the feel of no clothes, so didn't wear them at home. Long story short, I decided to try social nudism in February of 2020, only to be thwarted the next month by COVID. At the same time, I discovered Scott Klein's great podcast, and that helped me along and firmed up my resolve. About two summers later, the Canadian borders reopened and I was able to go to Bear Oaks. Traveling to and getting there, I experienced not one moment of nervousness, but rather eager anticipation. In fact, from the first instant stripping at my car and walking into the office, I felt so free and totally in my element. It helped that everyone, including the staff, was nude. I really don't think I would enjoy being in places around clothed people. I mean, why are they there? Hence, I probably will always seek out environments where all are nude. And it's true, everyone was so open and nice. The only nervousness I had was about my reaction to seeing nude women, having only ever really been with my ex. I was relieved to find that from the very first instance, it was so non-sexual and normal. I think that was the most surprising, and pleasantly so, discovery of my first visit. Unfortunately, I am literally hours from places that offer me what I want, Bear Oaks being the closest. So, while resort visits and social nudity are a rarer occurrence than I would like, I so very much enjoy and look forward to them. And I continue being close-free at home, as close to 24-7 as possible. There's more. But I just wanted to thank you, along with the other podcasters like Scott and Stefan. Uh, so thanks. And that's from Gary, who, by the way, might live in the USA because, you know, he said 
the borders reopen and he was able to go to go to Bear Oaks. But wherever he lives, we're just glad he has discovered social nudism slash naturism and went to Bear Oaks. And uh, do you have any reaction on uh, his voicemail? It's really good when people discover something that they enjoy the way he's found this out. And um, and it's very sad when there are so few places for him to go to participate with other people and to commiserate, basically, is really what we do a lot with the fact that, hey, we can do it here. We just can't do it anywhere else. And and so I think it's just wonderful that he's in a situation where he at least knows there is somewhere he can go. It's unfortunate that it's, you know, a little further away than that makes it more inconvenient for him. But but I'm sure he had a wonderful time at Barrow's because it is gorgeous there from the photos I've seen. Yeah. Now, he did mention uh, the if I'll, just, I'll just read from his email, which he transferred to a voicemail. The only nervousness I had was about my reaction to seeing nude women. And that is a concern for men. OK, you get to a nudist resort your first time you take your clothes off. Oh, my gosh, there's 50 naked women, 100, 1000, you know, whatever your resort is. You know, things might happen physically to, to me as a male. And that is a concern because nobody really wants that, at least uh, not. Not initially. That's not what you're there for. Uh, but most of them find out, as Gary did, you know, in fact, somebody said this one time, when everybody is naked, nobody is naked. You're just yourselves having a good time. And most people figure that out within five to 10 seconds of having their clothes off around other unclothed people. But going into it, it's like, oh, boy, you know, what if I get aroused and, uh, you know, all heck mm-hmm. breaks loose and we got a 500 person, you know, sexual extravaganza. That just doesn't happen. And you don't know that until you actually try it like Gary did. It's like, oh, well, this is kind of normal. As he said, uh, pleasantly so, non-sexual and normal. And so he found out that way it's it's just normal and it's a lot of fun, isn't it? It very much so. And, you know, it's kind of the great equalizer. And if, if everyone is, then, you know, we're no one pays any attention to anything. Right. And, you know, it, it's not only a concern, I am sure, for for males coming into a resort like that without a partner coming in mm-hmm. single. But it's also a concern for women with new men coming in single sure. because yeah. and that's one of the that's one of the things that I think is a real problem for growth within these resorts is that, you know, a lot of times many don't allow single males to come in at all unless maybe they're sponsored by by someone, you know, who can vouch for them. And that's kind of unfair in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, you, I guess you take your chances, but I just find that there needs to be a better way of of making that happen because women shouldn't be so frightened of that. Mm-hmm. But we're conditioned to be frightened of that, it, just in our daily lives, clothed or not. Yeah. So it's you know it's just a real catch twenty two for for people in his situation. But I'm really glad that well where he was, if he went to Bear Oaks, and mm-hmm. you know that's that's the culture there. It's it's a good wholesome environment for everybody. So that had to be a great experience for him, and good that it was. You know, Stefan. From what I can tell, and I've not been to every nudist resort in the world, so I can't, I'm no expert on that either, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but he seems to run maybe the best resort out there in terms of this stuff. Uh, single men are allowed, no limit. You're a single guy, I want to show up, great, go ahead. He doesn't care about that. What he cares about is people having a good time uh, through naturism, through close free living for the right reasons. 
and he's also very cognizant as his as is his staff. Anybody tries to pull any stunts, your fanny's out of here. I think he said we'll talk to him once, and the second time you got to go, and they're not allowed back in. So they keep on top of that stuff. So yeah, this guy uh, Gary probably went to what I would call one of the safest, if not the safest, uh, resort around. Uh, do, you, do you agree? I think so. You know, just because, you know, at least we have a little bit more knowledge of what Stefan does there and how yeah. that's operated. And I'm sure there are many across the, you know, the world that are the same way. And, and in some places, probably, I guess we, we worried about it more in the U.S. than probably they are in other places. But um, so I'm imagining in Europe, it may not even be a, an issue. You just, you're a single guy or a single gal, we just walk in and have, you know, and, and enjoy the facilities. But mm-hmm. it's... Um, it's kind of scary and for, I think, both sides. And, and again, it comes back to that stigma that we grow up with. You're naked. Uh-oh, I know what you want. And yeah. that's not what it's about. No. Well, I remember the first time. You know, I, I was raised as a naturist, as you know. I was always naked. Never, I don't think I ever put clothes on. I probably did when I went to school and church, things like that. Otherwise, absolutely not. Well, I didn't go to my first nudist resort until adulthood. And I kind of thought what everybody else seems to think, oh, boy, it's going to be kind of wild. And I thought, boy, I hope not. They say it isn't. But how can it not be with that many naked people around? Mm-hmm. Now, I had been used to being around nude people all the time, mm-hmm. but they were people I knew. Going to the resort, I'm not going to know anybody because I went alone and I walked in and there must have been 150 totally uh, you know, unclothed people walking around, sitting at the pool. Uh, sipping iced tea, whatever. And I thought, well, it's just a matter of moments before all heck breaks loose. And of course, it never did. You see people walk up to each other, hey, how, you know, how you doing? A fully nude, having a conversation as though, in societal terms, they were fully clothed. That's I, I forgot who said it, but when you do things when nude that you do while clothed, then it becomes normal. And that was my first time at a resort. And yeah, it was 100% normal. Nobody was untoward. Nobody was, in fact, I would say the clothing, the clothes crowd is probably a little more suspicious to me now than the naturist crowd. What do you think? I think so, because naturists yeah. have nothing to hide. And I don't mean that, in yeah, a, right. you know, in a, in a, but it's kind of true in, in all things, because if you are, if you have no encumbrances of, of clothing that gives status or wealth or anything else, then you're likely not to have that kind of chip on your shoulder. You're going to be more who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes a big difference because people get to know each other in a very basic way, just Mm -hmm. their personalities, who they are, what they think, and not all those trappings of what they drive or what they wear or what jewelry they have or whatever. Yeah. No, I agree. And you know, we thank Gary for his, uh, first of all, his email and then his voicemail. We appreciate that very much, Gary. Uh, Lisa, I thought, uh, let's use some of our time here. Occasionally, as you've mentioned, you do have to put clothes on. Yes. Uh, but doesn't mean you have to just go to the typical stores or uh, and buy what everybody else buys. You can buy shirts that kind of sort of maybe hint that, hey, I'm a naturist and I'm only wearing this blasted shirt because I have to. And I found a site out there. Uh, they sell everything, clothing-wise, but they sell a naturist section. It's spreadshirt.com. And I want to read a couple to you. And maybe uh, I gave it to you. You might have a couple of shirts. But here's a good one. It's being modeled by a woman. And, you know, she's clothed, obviously. She has a shirt on. It says, 
the naked truth is always better than a dressed lie. Well, ain't that the truth, as they say? Well, I think it comes back to the things we've talked about before. Be honest. The naked truth is always better. That's great. Uh, that's right. <laughs> I like that. Now, here's one that I would enjoy wearing just to get the reaction. Uh, but when my daughter was younger and living in the home, if a guy had shown up with this shirt on, I might have been, uh, you know, a little nervous. Mm-hmm. It's a guy wearing a T-shirt says, get naked. I have a plan. Uh, uh, yeah, I would enjoy ooh. wearing that. I, I think that it'd be funny to get some reactions, but. I know you. That would not have lasted long. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> but um, mm. that, that's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. These are really great. Uh, the other one I wanted to read, and I, I know you have a couple you wanted to read off of. Laundry today or naked tomorrow? Well, that's an easy choice for me, and I, I guess you too, right? I actually need to do laundry, but you don't no. see me rushing off to do no. it, do you? No, no. <laughs> I have something to wear already. Save the water, save the soap, and be good to the environment, Lisa Monroe. Naked hey. tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> my my new motto. That's right. Well, I have to tell you the one that caught my eye and which was kind of funny because, you know, we as as our name um, has three ends and we often kind of jokingly refer to ourselves as the NNN show. Yeah. There's one that says naked, naked, naked. I think yeah. it's very apropos. <laughs> I really like that one. It's kind of lays it right out there, doesn't <laughs> exactly. it? Exactly. Uh, and then there's the typical, I'd rather be naked. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Um, I do like the one that says Irish, Irish, as in Ireland, yeah. Irish, yeah. Irish with the four leaf clover, you were naked. <laughs> yeah, I like that one too. It's a lot of those. I saw one that says, uh, no clothes are my favorite clothes. Well, that's perfect too. I like that very yeah. much. And there's two little flames. Did you, did you see the ones with the two little flames? It's like a larger and smaller frame, like a couple. And they have the little black bars where things would be blacked out normally in a new okay. photo. <laughs> it's just really cute. But um, oh, I don't know. There's a bunch of them here that are really funny. I saw one that says, uh, don't tell me what to do unless you're naked. It's like, well, okay, then, then I'll listen to you. Ah, absolutely. Well, now, if this was Tuesday, this would be perfect. Let's okay. get naked and eat tacos yeah, <laughs> for Taco Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Well, that actually makes sense because when you eat tacos, you know, stuff falls out of the tacos, gets all over your clothes, your shirt, oh. your pants are messy, you get the sauce. It's just a big mess. So, yeah, that probably should be a rule. Going to eat tacos. Got to show up nude. Maybe send a letter to Taco Bell today and let them know we're changing their policy. They, they have a new slogan. Run for That's the border right. is done. <laughs> <laughs> now it's get naked and eat tacos. That, That's, That's perfect. Right. My clothes would appreciate that too. <laughs> That's right. Well, here's a good one. Good things happen when you smile or when you're naked. I like that one a lot. I do too. That might be my favorite. So I might might have to go out and buy that one today and just just wear it around town and see if I get a reaction. (laughs) I'm sure I will. But (laughs) Uh, here's a sweet one. I just want you to be happy and naked. Well, that uh, you being naked will make the other person happy, I guess. But it I, I guess so. <laughs> makes you happy too. That's what yes, people, exactly. People tend exactly. to forget that if they haven't tried it before. No, absolutely not. Oh, and the I'm so naughty, I shower naked. Shame on me. <laughs> I saw one. I don't have it in front of me right now, so I'm going by memory. It's a a picture of a shower head, and the shower is running. 
and the shower head is talking and said, every time a naked person sees me, I get turned on. That's the shower head talking. So, you know, people get in the shower naked, <laughs> you turn the shower head on. That might be a little over the top, but what the heck, right? That might sort of go against the nature of you know, yeah, just so. an, in, an innuendo about something, yeah. but it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cute. So. How about drive safely or I get to see you naked? Well, that sounds like a good deal to me. Hmm. Yes, and indeed. Way, yes, indeed. Years ago, they had a bunch of these shirts. It was co-ed naked and then the last word or whatever. Co-ed naked diving, co-ed naked swimming, co-ed naked eating a watermelon, you know, whatever they threw in. Mm-hmm. It was just co-ed naked something. Right. And I thought those were great. I always got a reaction from me. I might not always have said something, but that's ah, pretty good. We should do that. We should do co-ed naked everything. Yeah, I got to like that. Which co-ed is naked a- is fun. Yeah, exactly. How naturism is supposed to work. Exactly. You know, I'm not a big fan of tattoos, although I know people love them and they're very f- popular now and everybody has them. But this T-shirt says people with tattoos are way more fun to see naked. And that's kind of true because at least it's not cut off with a sleeve or something. So you can actually see the image that they put on themselves. Well, here's a good one. And uh, this kind of says it all. You put this shirt on, you walk around town. It tells everybody exactly what's going on. It says nudist on strike. And you're on strike because you're wearing the clothes. So you're you're taking, you're striking from being naked. Yes. I think think that's a great one to wear around town. That might be my, that may be my favorite now. (laughs) (laughs) That one I may have to get. All right. How about another one or two from you and uh, give it one or two and then we'll head for the hills. Well, let me see here. Well, there, um, oh, the banana peel ones are kind of funny and they're kind of, a couple of them were a little bit of sort of innuendos in in a way, but very funny ones because never you know bananas peeling and naked and and um let me see there we go. i was looking for the one i saw well surf naked's fun oh yeah um, yeah that's a good one yeah i really like that one yeah what about i'm just here to look good naked well that should be the motto for all of us heck yeah because we all <laughs> look good naked that's the whole that's the whole idea isn't it yeah. oh there's one that um a pineapple's being peeled saying, let's get naked. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> these are really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's my, my flame ones. I just really like those little flame ones. Here's a, a it's a pink shirt on a woman. So pink, you know, on females uh-huh. is kind of, kind of accepted. And it says, nudity is goodity. Well, I like that one. Ooh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Very definitely a play on words. Uh, yeah, um, oh, these are just, these are really funny. Oh, there's one with now Elvis with a, well, it's not exactly the skinny Elvis either. Um, it's Elvis with a guitar and it says, the king is naked. <laughs> <laughs> so Elvis fans, you got a t-shirt for yourself. That's right. Well, I kind of like those, and uh, there are several more out there. People can find them on Spreadshirt.com. A lot of T-shirts with a lot of naturism, nudism, clothes-free living for all the right reasons, expressions that will definitely get people's attention, whether it's your next-door neighbor who doesn't know or somebody at the grocery store, maybe even somebody in church, although that might be pushing the boundaries a bit, do you think? Well, maybe. just depends, yeah. I guess, on on the people that you know in, in your church environment. But um, <laughs> I think these are really terrific kind of icebreakers in a lot of ways you know 
It can either be, oh, someone gave me this shirt or it's fun. Don't you think it's funny? I just thought it was really funny. Or if someone says, wow, what, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, you know, I like, I prefer to be naked. So it may be a way of breaking that ice and telling people. Who knows? <laughs> That's right. I think the last one I just want to throw out there. Uh, it's a guy with a green T-shirt on. says, uh, my no pants mode has been activated. Oh, okay. Oh, now that one I really like. Yeah. <laughs> that activates for me the second the front door opens. <laughs> That's right. Maybe that'll be your Christmas gift next year, now that we're already past Christmas. This is true. But these people should think about this site for for their yeah. their buddies. I, I, yeah, I agree. Next year. All right, Lisa Monroe, uh, New Year's uh, is coming up, and New Year's Day, another year is starting. This is episode 27, so we're into our second half year. To this point, they said it couldn't be done. We did it, and here we are every single week at 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. How about that? Nah, I think we did pretty good. Um, a lot of fortitude getting getting through this. And oh, yeah. and, and it, the thing about this is it's fun. And I love the fact that we've reached people who are responding back to us now with, mm. you know, with just really basic things about how they feel about naturism and what's important to them and that some of the things that they hear here from our guests and from us are resonating with them. And I think it's just a wonderful thing. We might touch on that a little more in the next show or two. Just you're right, how people have been touched by this. They want to do this. They think about it. They try it. Oh, boy. And then we come along, as do other shows and print media, that it is normal and, and it's totally appropriate. And so People appreciate that. Like here here are two people talking about it as though it's normal. Oh, my goodness, it is. And, you know, Pastor Jim a few weeks ago giving biblical explanations and evidence as to why nudity was normal then should be normal now. We've just gone the wrong way. So, yeah, people are into it and loving every second of it. We certainly have. All right, Lisa Monroe, I expect you to have a clothes-free New Year's, at least ringing in the New Year's, uh, totally nude. And then uh, we'll see you next time. All right, and a happy new year to you and to everyone and to naturists everywhere. That's it. All right, (laughs) happy new year, Lisa Monroe. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Okay, Frank, take care. That's right. It's Happy New Year, Tom. You're allowed to wear a hat this one time. You can be just a little bit less than 100% clothes free. You have to have a party hat on, right? You have to have a New Year's hat on, maybe a uh, a noisemaker or something to celebrate the New Year. Just hoot and holler and say yippee and hooray. It's New Year's. New Year's Eve is tomorrow, New Year's Day Monday. And you're listening to Naked Nudists and Naturists, episode 27 today. We are really glad that you are with us to ring in the new year as we close out 2023 and prepare for what's coming in 2024. Well, let's get to part one now of my interview with the very terrific and highly energetic Christy Jessica. She does it all in the world of being nude, naked, naturism, clothes free living for all the right reasons. She's a nude model. She has written a book on modeling. She has her own podcast. She is just out there all of the time, clothes free, A very interesting lady, very entertaining too, has a lot of insight into how the world works and how naturism works. So let's get to it right now. Part one of my interview with the very terrific Christy Jessica. So let's get uh, to my interview now with uh, this terrific lady out in Phoenix, Arizona. Christy Jessica is her name. She calls herself 
a full-time creative, a professional freelance model, had some issues with alcoholism and drugs. We'll get into that. She's a producer. She's an RVer, a life coach, an author, a feminist. And yes, uh, for the sake of this show, uh, she is also a nudist, a naturist, and she actually works as a nude model. And she also has a book on various uh, posing position, and uh, she works as a coach as well. And so we're going to talk to her today about all of that. So let's welcome to the show this morning from Phoenix, Arizona, Christy Jessica. Good morning, Christy. How are you today? Good. I'm doing fantastic. All right. Glad you're with us today. You've been really busy. You know, it's kind of following you online. You're flying here. You're driving there. You're taking your RV everywhere. It sounds like just living the life, uh, freelancing. You do not work a, a nine to five office job. I think that would drive you crazy in about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The life. yeah. So let, let's just start at the very beginning of your story. Now, when you were growing up, it's my understanding you had kind of a strict household and your parents were fairly strict and conservative and uh, there were some issues with the church and the church school and all that good stuff. Maybe just tell our listeners what the heck happened. Yeah, so I was raised in a Protestant Assemblies of God church and kindergarten through 12th grade school. So I was pretty much at that location every day, and it was very invasive into your personal life going to the church and the school. So the principal of the school was like, you know, on everybody's case and like all the staff at the church were like really judgmental, especially because around the time that I was 13, my or starting between when I was 10, my parents got separated and then they finally divorced when I was 13. So in my preteen years, my parents were going through this divorce and it was very obvious to the church and the school. And uh, so my mom basically got ostracized and my my dad threw her under the bus to the main pastor and they made all these lies saying that she was like possessed by the devil and stuff. So she wasn't allowed on campus to pick us up from school. We had to walk a quarter of a mile off the property to get picked up by her when it was her week to pick us up because they had equal custody. So, I mean, it, this the school didn't have uniforms, but they had very, very, very strict dress codes. Like you have to have your shirt three inches over the shoulder. Your skirt has to be like, you know, no, no shorter than three inches above the knee. For some reason, they didn't allow sweatpants without pockets. Uh, they didn't allow overalls, flip flops, a bunch of weird things. So, and if your clothes were too tight or if they were too baggy, they would like tell you to go home and you would get written up. And it was just very, very, very strict on how you dressed because uh, if you dressed like improperly, then that was sinful. And so there's a lot of shame and uh, everything involved with like how you looked and how you presented yourself. And so I wasn't really allowed to express myself as, as a, a female human being. I didn't wasn't allowed to express that femininity. And as soon as I turned 18, I completely slingshotted away from that lifestyle. I was like, screw this. I'm going to be a nude model. I'm moving out. I'm going to do drugs and get tattoos. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, wasn't there a point uh, with your Christian school that you were at, you basically told your parents, I got to get out of here, put me in a public school. And they did, right? Yeah. So around the time that I was 16, I had been rebelling already. Like I had been listening to the radio station that I wasn't allowed to listen to because I was like, they even controlled what music you listen to. Like you weren't allowed to listen to secular music. You'd only listen to God music. So I started listening to other music and hanging out with other people that didn't go to 
our school that I met like at the bus stop and stuff. <laughs> and I know, right? Yeah. So by the time I was 16, I was like, if I keep going to this school, they're going to expel me because if they find out that you're not Christian, they'll expel you and not return your parents' tuition. And they charged like the highest tuition in Washington state. So I was like, I already had many friends get expelled for like st stupid stuff, like wearing black and like, you know, listening to secular music and stuff. And I was like, they're going to kick me out. You might as well allow me to go to a school that's more worldly. And because it was really expensive and I was putting up a fight about it, they were like, okay, fine. Like my parents were divorced by this time. So they couldn't really like control all of us, like, you know, as much as they wanted to. So I went to um, a public school and my first year at public school was really, really weird. I was like super awkward because I didn't know how to make, I was already the weird kid at the Christian school. <laughs> like I, I was really, really weird. I think my parents sheltered us a little bit more than normal compared to like the other kids because a lot of the other kids seemed to be a little bit easier to socialize and maybe they were allowed to secretly listen to other music and stuff, but we weren't, we were like extremely controlled. Like our, our dad was, he was trying to get us into this thing called growing kids God's way, which I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's like a, an additional cult that was like separate from our church school. But the guy that ran growing kids God's way went to prison for like running a, like some weird underage kids sex thing for, for Christianity. And he, I don't think my dad was aware of that, but the guy that ran that ended up getting busted for it. So, um, yeah. And that thing was Growing Kids God's Way is one of those things where they, they say that, you know, you're not supposed to hug your baby and like leave your baby alone as much as possible because like if you give them too much physical attention, they're going to like learn like, you know, immoral practices as an adult. Anyway, so we were too old to get enrolled into that program by the time our dad had like wanted us to get enrolled. Like I was eight years old. And so we didn't, we were too old for it apparently. So I'm kind of glad about that. But anyway, as soon as I went to public school, I just felt like culture shock. Like the outside world was too much for me. Like I, I was, you know, listening to music and I, I had some friends outside of school, but people in I wasn't cool in in school everybody there like already went to a different public schools for like kindergarten and elementary school and so by the time I got to 10th grade there I was too far out I was too weird like I I didn't start getting socialized into like hanging out with other people until I started drinking alcohol mm. and that's the only way that I could come up with uh you know being able to talk to other people in my school was it, it if I was uh, drunk, mm. I, I suddenly felt comfortable talking to people that way. And that's when my uh, alcoholism began. Yeah. And then uh, so a very strict beginning sounds like really overly strict. I mean, uh, yeah. your, your parents obviously fed into that. But uh, the school, at least in my opinion, you know, you wear black to school and you get expelled. You listen to a secular tune and you're expelled. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know how they keep anybody enrolled, but that's their deal. Thank goodness you're out of there. Uh, but then, and I've seen this before with people, you know, they, they're raised in such an environment. And then when they finally get out, all heck breaks loose. Now they're just doing yeah. everything. And that's basically what that happened to you. Yeah. So you did the yeah. alcohol thing and then eventually drugs got involved. And how was your life from that point forward until you got to the point where you were sober? Um, yeah, so I would drink and, and starting at 16, I was also smoking weed, which I mean, fortunately, I never got into like 
heroin or crack or meth or anything like that. So that's good. But I, I was, um, around the time that I turned 17, 18, like I started doing more like party stuff, like, uh, mushrooms and like ecstasy and stuff like that. And I was living in an apartment. I, I moved into my own apartment as soon as I turned 18. I, I changed my car insurance into my name as soon as I turned 18 because my mom was telling me that I shouldn't drive in the rain or drive at night because if I got into an accident with my with the insurance under her name, then you know it would be affecting her insurance premium. So I was like, as soon as I turn 18, I'm switching it over, yeah. and I did. Um, so I, I had a car. I had a, my first job when I was 16. Even though my dad didn't want me to get a job, he wanted me to continue to do chores around the house. He would pay us money to do chores, which was great. It gave us a good structure for like learning how to earn our own money throughout our life, which was really good. So, I mean, that, that was positive. But he didn't want me to get like a job outside of, but I, I did it anyway. I got my own job. I worked at fast food and got a car, moved out. And I stayed moved out for about a year and a half. And then I got my first DUI and I had to hire a lawyer. So basically I couldn't afford rent anymore with my fast food job and a lawyer. So I had to move back in. I ended up moving back in with my mom mm -hmm. and dealt with that. Um, I After that, it was around the 2008 market crash. So in 2009, my mom lost her house because the economy was really bad. And so everybody kind of went separate ways and I ended up moving into a party house with some of my friends because it was cheap you know uh, having one bedroom in like with a bunch of people living there like my rent was only 300 bucks a month so that was nice I was able to move out again I had dealt with the lawyer fees and all that so yeah I continued to party and I didn't learn my lesson and uh, until I was about 24 I was a raging alcoholic so alcohol was definitely my my drug of choice I wasn't really hooked on like I did ecstasy a bit for a while and I smoked weed and stuff but my main thing was alcohol mm -hmm. and it, it got to the point where I couldn't like do anything without drinking and I was drinking I, got, I was drinking at work I was working at a restaurant drinking at work but I had started freelance modeling when I was 18 kind of for fun um, just to express myself and I had been doing a bunch of like photo shoots here and there and occasionally I would get hired for a shoot, but it was mostly just for fun. Everything kind of came together like when I was 24. I had gotten a second DUI. I lost my serious relationship that I was in just due to alcoholism and bad communication. Right. I got fired from my job. Um, our, we had to move out of our house because our landlord increased our rent significantly. One of my friends was relapsing on heroin and we had to kick him out and so all these bad things happened at this like within the same like month span and i was wow. gonna have to you know deal with the court system with my second dui and stuff so i was like you know trying to get another job nobody was calling me back for some reason and <laughs> one of my roommates was like why don't you just book more photo shoots instead of getting a job and i was like i could probably figure out how to do that and so I kind of reached out to other people that were in my area that I had heard had been doing modeling full time as a freelancer. And I was like, if, the, if other people that are like short like me can do it, then and I can do it. I could actually figure it out. And the answer was just to learn how to be like marketing myself properly. And I was like, all right, I got to. Anyway, so the reason I got sober 
around this time that all these thoughts were going on in my head, I needed, you know, get it together, learn how to be a full-time freelancer instead of just having a restaurant job. I was sitting in the lawyer's office preparing to hire a second lawyer to deal with my second DUI. And the lawyer basically told me, here's the deal. If you want to fight your DUI, my fee for that is $3,000. And if you want to submit to the court system for getting um, a deferral, then I can help you through the deferral, which is basically says you have to admit that you're an alcoholic and, and submit to their two-year alcoholics program where you go to AA and you go to these court classes and you have to be sober for two years in order to do the program. And I was like, and that was only a thousand dollars and I couldn't afford the three. I was already flat broke by this time. I completely drained anything that I had saved up just by screwing up my life. And so um, I was like, well, I guess I have to pick the cheaper option because I can't afford the more expensive option. Even though I wanted to fight it, I kind of was financially forced into sobriety initially and, you know, being court ordered with the deferral to be sober. So I was like, all right, I have to be sober. I didn't want to. I was like, maybe I can just trick the system for the first couple of months and then and then get back to my drinking after that. And the funny thing is, after a couple of months of not drinking, even though it was initially like fighting tooth and nail about it, I started to realize that, oh, maybe I shouldn't drink anymore. Maybe I like this is kind of nice. Like I was starting to feel some of the positive effects of not being a complete wasted alcoholic all the time. Like I could start to see that, oh, maybe I should like figure out my finances and learn how to market myself. And over the course of time, like initially, not only did I have the court order to be sober and I had to go to those classes in AA and I had to see a probation officer, I also had an ignition interlock on my car for five years starting then which is the breathalyzer that you can't start your car unless you blow into a breathalyzer. And that's a whole deal. It's a, it's very hard to deal with those things. So all of that kept me sober for the two year deferral and then the five years. And I just stayed sober after that. And during that time, I built my freelance modeling career. I, I just kind of figured it out the hard way, like through trial and error. I'm glad to hear that you're no longer involved in the drinking and all that stuff. Cause it's, as you learned early on, it's a road to a really bad place and it's hard to get back from. In some ways, you're fortunate that you climbed out of that hole. A lot of people don't. It just gets worse and worse and worse and uh, not good. Uh, but So you got into this, this modeling thing, freelance modeling, as you mentioned. And, of course, our show, uh, Naked, Nudist, and Naturist. And uh, so we want to talk about your uh, your naked modeling. You do a lot of that. You've done tons of it. And we like to talk to mm-hmm. people on the show, not only naturists uh, in the purest form, but also people who work uh, nakedly or just enjoy being naked all the time. And so how did you get to the point where, okay, I'll try this freelance modeling thing and that was working out to, and now pretty much everything I do, I have all my clothes off. How'd that come to be? Um, I guess to talk about that, I should probably talk about my first photo shoot and how that went and then my feelings about it and then moving forward. So uh, being a young female getting into freelance modeling, there are a lot of predators out there and my first experience was with a predator and basically in a nutshell he had asked me over myspace because i'm that old he found my myspace profile where i had selfies before the term was coined on there uh he said do you want to do a real photo shoot with a real photographer and i was like um i'm not tall enough to be a model but maybe 
he was like, we'll see about that when you get here. And he said that he would pay me $50 if I wanted to do a bikini and lingerie shoot and $100 if I wanted to pose nude. And at the time, it was my first shoot ever, and I wasn't sure at the time if I wanted to pose nude just because I had never modeled for somebody else before. So I was like, well, we'll just start off with the bikini lingerie. Like I was comfortable with my body and I knew that I was beautiful and I wanted to express that, but I wasn't sure I wanted to express it that way with that person that I had never met before. So I did the shoot, I went there and the guy was kind of condescending to me like during the whole like initial part of the shoot. And he tells me that I should start taking off as he's directing me on how to pose. He's like, now slowly start turning around in the circle while you take off your top. And I was like, I thought we were doing bikini lingerie. Like we yeah. didn't talk about me taking off my top. Yeah. And he was like, look here, Missy, this <laughs> photo shoot has to be competitive with everything else on the internet. And if we're not even going to do nudes, we're just wasting our time. And I was like, well, you didn't say that over my space. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of like belittled me into posing nude. And then he was all complimentary, like, wow, you look so much better naked than with your clothes on. Like, I think you're a natural at this. You look so much more comfortable all of a sudden. And so he's kind of building me up. He's like, I think you're ready for an erotic shoot. And I was like, what's erotic mean? <laughs> you know, I was 18. I was sheltered. I was, I didn't, I hadn't watched porn before. I might've accidentally seen it on a pop-up on my computer and then closed it out, but I hadn't sought it out yet. So he starts showing me all these videos on his computer of like chicks sucking his dick and stuff. And I was like, uh, I might've done that with a boyfriend once or twice at that point in my life, but I'm not gonna do that with you. So he could tell that I was starting to freak out. So he started to freak out and he basically made me sign an NDA that obviously I'm breaking like all the time. So I've told the story so many times. He made me sign an NDA. He took an extra picture of my driver's license and he ran me off the property. He's like, don't tell anybody about this shoot. You know, get out of here. I just need to make sure that you're at least 18 so I don't get in trouble. And I was like, okay. So that was like a really negative experience for me. And I was like, dang, everybody that's going to want to photograph me nude is going to want me to suck their dick too. Like, really? So that was my first impression. And so that's kind of how I felt at first. So it was kind of a rocky start, but I still wanted to model. So another photographer that I found on Craigslist, you know, this is like 2006 or something, maybe 2007 back in the day. Uh, found a photographer on Craigslist and he wanted to do a fashion shoot in the park. We did the fashion shoot. He was really nice, older man, very respectful. I felt very comfortable with him. And at the end of the photo shoot, he showed me his printed portfolio where he had nice photos that he had photographed of models like nude on the bed holding a rose or like basking in the sunlight in a window and it was really classy images and he said if you ever want i'll hire you for 125 dollars an hour if you want to create tasteful glamour nudes like this in my studio Mm -hmm. and at the time i was like thanks but no thanks and i thought about it for a few months and I was like, you know, that guy was really nice. And maybe I do want photos like that. I, I was like, all right. I emailed him back a couple of months later and I was like, I'm ready. You know, let's do the shoot. And that was a super positive experience. He was really nice. He was really patient. He like knew that like I might be awkward because I had never done like a studio shoot before. And so he made sure that I was comfortable and he gave me my space and he didn't pressure me. So I was like, okay if I'm going to be like doing this nude modeling thing, I need to just kind of gauge who I'm working with first. 
and then see if I want to be you know comfortable with them in that space. So that's kind of like um, colored my career. I do gauge my comfort with whoever I'm going to be around. And, you know, that was eight. I'm 36 now. So that was about 18 years ago. So when you were very young, I mean, a lot of times what you read in the papers anyway, these these guys on uh, MySpace or Craigslist or wherever else, you know, professional photographer, but they're really not. They're just some guy who bought a cheap camera at Walmart and, and they're they're off and running. And yeah. they look, look for people like you, right? That that was his whole MO is to get you in the room alone, get you naked and probably have sex. He had no interest in promoting your career as a model, did he? No. Um, and this is definitely a thing. So now that like social media is a major part of our society and the magazine industry, like Playboy, like printed magazines was like lucrative for a long time, but print magazines aren't anymore. Everything is like the internet and social media. Like I don't think Playboy even really does print anymore, especially that Hugh Hefner is dead. Right. So everything is kind of like focused around Instagram and Facebook and, you know, TikTok. And the the models now have the upper hand in our industry because the fans on the internet are looking at the models directly instead of going through a magazine to look at models. Right. They can see us on our, our OnlyFans, on our Facebook, on our Instagram, we all, you know, I've got a, a portfolio website myself also. So I, I, I run all of these like medias that kind of circle around my lifestyle and my personality and people get to know me through like following me on social media and it's like a whole enterprise, right? So I know that like with nudism and with nude modeling, there are like things that coincide, but there's also things like making money off of being photographed nude that might not align with the purest nudism lifestyle. So as far as myself and like my preferences in life, I, I am comfortable nude. I'm not part of like a nudist club or anything like that. Like I've gone to nude beaches. And I like hanging out naked. Like when we're going to go to the pool, like, you know, if it's a nude pool, that would be cool. Sometimes I'm like running around. I don't have my swimsuit. Suddenly, oh, want to go swimming? Shit, I don't have a swimsuit. Is it all right if we just go naked like but you know in in the setting where it's appropriate i'm down but like if it's not like you know i won't i'm not like i'm not like trying to be an exhibitionist i'm not running around hoping that people see me naked that are unsuspecting of it or anything like that because i don't think that's right you know but i do a lot a lot of my nude modeling especially now is nude in nature like i started living on the road i actually was van lifing for two and a half years starting in 2019 with the living on the road lifestyle i've been doing a lot more nude and nature stuff but i had been doing a lot of nude and nature stuff prior but also a lot of work in the studio and the studio is always like it's only fun if there's something creative happening with the lighting right. and the na nature is just it's it just feels good to be in nature it doesn't feel good for me to be in a downtown city area right yeah that, that's totally different but that's what you've learned along the way is you enjoy being nude. You enjoy the clothes free life. And if given the choice on a given day or a given moment, you'll have your clothes off just enjoying life. And yeah. I'm glad, you, yeah, I'm glad you said you're not an exhibitionist. You know, a lot of people think, well, she's a model. She wants to show off her body. Yeah. There's some truth to that, but not to the point where you're inappropriate ever. You always keep it professional and appropriate in the right settings. Now, what about, yeah, yeah you, you came out with this book 
my book of posing ideas, and that's basically to help other models. Like, uh, because a lot of people think yeah. mod- a lot of people think modeling is you show up and you stand in front of the camera and you get paid and you go home. Well, there's a whole lot more to it. So maybe just take us through that. Yeah, actually, a lot of people getting into modeling aren't really getting paid. It takes a lot to, you know, start getting hired to be a freelance model. Like for the first six years of my modeling, most of my work was just for funsies, you know, trading for pictures. In our industry, we call it TFP, trade for pictures. And what sets a model who's getting paid apart from the models who are just shooting for fun is... Uh, experience. So it's kind of hard to explain, but when it comes to posing for the camera, it takes a lot of practice to know your angles and how to pose your body, not just so that the shapes and the lines are aesthetically pleasing, but also that the theme that the photo shoot presents itself for, you can emulate that correctly. And the type of lens and camera and lighting that the photographer is using should also you know, dictate what kind of posing and how you're posing. For example, a wide angle lens is going to stretch out everything on the edges of the frame. You're going to have to be aware of that and not, you know, if your hands are closer to the camera, they're going to look really big. If they're shooting with a portrait lens, like a 85 millimeter or something like that, you're going to have to be aware where the frame is, you know, cutting you off at and like what parts of your body is to like expose and, and pose towards the frame. So the book that I created is intended for either models or photographers. A lot of photographers buy it and they just have it on hand at shoes to kind of go through. So it shows staple poses and then like the poses in between that you could possibly do. So basically having your legs in a stance, having your like torso in a stance and then modifying your arms and legs and facial expressions as you flow from one pose to the next. And the book kind of walks you through a few different genres. So glamour posing. Glamour posing will kind of help when it comes to boudoir photography, pinup photography, you know, playboy style photography, those types of poses that accentuate like, you know, your booty and your boobs and your waist and like different like hourglass type figures. And then there's another chapter of it Um, for artistic lighting where the light is coming either from the side or from above and I changed the lighting setup a little bit throughout it so that that type of photography is all about how the light is hitting the body and not about the face at all not about being sexy it's more about how the light is carving out the lines and shapes of the body and so the body can pose in certain like interesting positions like stretching or like compressing so that the the lighting will make different types of shapes on you. So those are called bodyscapes when people are photographing like body parts or just completely focusing on the lines and shapes of the body and not on like the person's personality or how they're like looking at the camera. Like in bodyscape fine art nude photography, you're generally not looking into the camera because it's more about the, the shapes and lines and the emotiveness of the body and not so much about looking into the camera, into the viewer, whoever's in, looking at the photo. And then the last chapter is uh, facial expressions where I kind of go through how to effectively emote into the camera and to you know practice in advance in a mirror or even just by taking photos of yourself, seeing... because. 
looking at your own face, like people can be really critical of their faces. Um, and there's certain like angles that your smile would look better at and, and different ways that your face can look from angles and lighting um, to emote properly into the camera to get like a good, effective image. So it sounds like the book uh, you wrote uh, is really important and pertinent for the photographers to have. But you're recommending models should read it too and maybe take charge of their own photo shoot to a degree? Yeah. So to be like a successful freelance model, a lot of like what I'm doing today, like the modeling, freelance modeling industry is starting to come together more and more as time progresses. When I first started modeling, models were not helping each other at all. Like nobody was like, Models weren't writing books about how to help the less experienced models. There was no outreach whatsoever. Everybody was just on their own with safety, with how to do this, like where to sign up for a portfolio. Everything was just a complete mystery to everyone. And now it's a social media is a lot more ingrained in our lives and models are actually chatting with each other and giving each other information. And people who are newer, who aren't like doing it full time that want to do it full time, they want to know how to pose. So this book is a very helpful guide for like posing ideas, posing methods. So if, if a freelance model that wants to get more and more serious about modeling really wants to like hone their craft, the book is intended to like improve upon any posing skills and give new ideas but um, I think a lot of people that are buying it are photographers that, especially photographers that have a studio. Sometimes when I'm at a shoot, for example, a photographer has like poses in mind that they want to emulate. And they'll just have a bunch of like photos from Twitter that they printed out. That's just kind of like, you know, in a messy stack. In a, and they're like, oh, let's do this one. Let's do this one. So this is a more organized approach to having like, you know, a, a flow series of a lot of really nice images that are in a book. And it's available as an ebook also for a lot cheaper. <laughs> but the, having the printed book in your hand, it's nice. You can bookmark pages and flip through it and stuff. Isn't she absolutely terrific? Uh, Christy Jessica, living the clothes-free life for all of the right reasons. Embracing life for all of that it has to offer to her. And just doing a terrific job. You can tell by her very powerful story, she overcame a lot. As in a hundred times more than most people have to overcome. But she found a way to do it. She found her way out. And now she is enjoying life. Uh, modeling, nude modeling a book on modeling, her own podcast, and uh, she's to be congratulated immensely. You can find her at christyjessica.com. We'll have part two of my interview on next week's show with the terrific Christy Jessica, which, of course, will be episode 28. And again, you've been listening to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist today, episode 27. We've enjoyed this time together, as we always do, and Happy New Year to all. We look forward to spending time with you on this show and connecting nudism, naked, naturism, clothes-free living for all of the right reasons. You've come to the right place, and we certainly enjoy all of the time that we spend together here on the show. Don't forget to send us a direct message or an email or hit us up on Spotify or our website. Well, thank you again for being with us on Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, episode 27 today. We give you a brand new show every Saturday morning at 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Continue to join us. Check us out on our website, nakednudistandnaturist.com. 
Spotify, Google, Amazon slash Audible, Apple Podcasts, and also on Twitter. You can write us anywhere, anytime, anyplace. And uh, we thank you for being with us uh, today. Plan to join us for every single one of our shows here and have your clothes off when you're listening. We have our clothes off when we're broadcasting, enjoying the naturist life. We celebrate clothes-free living for all. Remember to enjoy being naked and join us again for Naked Nudist and Naturist. We drop a brand new show every Saturday morning, so come back and join us. Have your clothes off when you do for Naked Nudist and Naturist. Have a great clothes-free day.